Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Good morning. I won't say another word. Good morning. There we go. Oh, that'll get you woke up if you wasn't. That's like, you know, the, the, the nightmare, you know, the alarm clock that just keeps on going off. And then you push that button and whoop, And so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, this is an uncomfortable moment of, you know, uh, transition uh, that we often talk about on stage when things go astray. So... My name is Jason Kilby. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, uh, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, we're in this series uh, called uh, uh, 30 Days to Live, and we're in part two today. Uh, we're living out that 80-year dash. And why 80 years? And here's why, just really quickly, just to pull you in. You know, the average mean for most Americans now in the most uh, our country, the way it's set up and the way we have health care and everything else, you know, most people would say we live to be about 70 years old, but actually it's like 79 point, you know, eight, whatever. I don't know how you get all that, but you know, just just round it up to 80, you know, we always typically round up. So the 80, you got 80 years. What are you going to do with it? You got 80 years. If, if you're 78 years old, you know, hey, you got two years left. Um, but, it, but for some of you, you know, you got, you're 30 years old. You, you got 50 more years. Maybe you're 16, and I don't know what that is exactly, but you got some years ahead of you. What are you going to do with it? And that's what we're talking about. You know, it just, it, you got 30 days to live. If you found out you got 30 days to live, what are you going to do with it? And that's where we were last week. But I'm, I'm excited. I hope you're excited too. And if you're not excited, uh, we, we want you to know why we're all excited because after this time together today, we want you to ex- really experience uh, something special. And that only comes from leaning into what Christ is trying to do in your life. But if you fell asleep and you know that, that right there didn't wake you up, go to the, go to the internet, check out the, uh, the website, www.centerpoint.danville.com, and you're going to be able to hear this sermon again. And so if you just can't get enough of boom, go listen to it again, I'm, I guarantee it, it'll wake you up this week. If it, just, it encourages you, uh, just boom, and pass it on to somebody else. Hey, you got to listen to this, you know, to get you pumped up. Uh, so if you fall asleep, we'll turn that on again and just make sure, you know, it's, it, it, it encourages you and wake you up. So, uh, but real quick, let's just, let's just focus on what we talked about last week. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, let's look at it from the, from the aspect of, of where we were. And we discussed what it really means to live with real spiritual urgency. And so for those who wasn't here, you know, we, we talked about what it means to live with spiritual urgency. And not just when you have 30, when you find out you have 30 days to live. But when you, when you just continue to live with, the, with that, that motion of with me and God, and God's for you, not against you, and you understand what grace means, and you just go out and share it to everybody, and you really understand love, his love, it seems like that's when we, we, we act on things, don't we? When we find out we have those 30 days to live. The rest of the time, we sort of live life for ourselves. If you recall, last week I, I did a solo act of Tim McGraw. And I lived like, you know, you're, like you were dying, right? You remember that? Because you went skydiving and I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I, last week I sung it, so, you know, I, t- I was told not to do that again by my wife. But it was, uh, I, went, I went 2.7 seconds on a what? A bull named Fu Manchu. That's right. And, and, and so, uh, why is it when, when we, we start to live like we're dying, we start to do things that's kind of outside of our realm of normal? Why do we do that? Well, when things turn for the worse and we can sort of see the end coming, we begin to go all in, don't we? We begin to do things that we really don't do. 
We do things we never thought we could do or possibly would do. We just live that way. We live like what? We were dying. And maybe some of you are looking for permission this morning. Some of you are looking for permission to live like you have 30 days left. Think about that. Maybe some of you are looking for permission to live like you have 30 days left so you can do something crazy. Or maybe share your story with a family member or a complete stranger. Or maybe find your story for the very first time in Christ who gives you strength to go live like you're dying. And maybe the reason you're struggling with this is is because you're struggling with, with what people will think. And this is your one chance in life to live a different lifestyle. And maybe others here of you wish it was true. Just be real. Maybe you really do wish you had 30 days to live. So you could be allowed to live this way, this, this sense of freedom. And others are asking the question, you know, what's, what's holding me back from living that way? Because the truth is we all want an excuse to live life with urgency, don't we? We all want that excuse to live with urgency. I gave this example last week. When the house is on fire, we respond, don't we? We respond. We begin to move quickly, grabbing things of importance and running out the house. We, we, we can clearly begin to see how much time we have left. When we start to see that, that time start to trickle down, it, it's like this hourglass, like we talked about last week. You know? And I give that one-liner of, and so are the days of our lives. I couldn't resist. I mean, I, just, I needed to say that this morning. But think about it. When we begin to see just how much time we have left here and we start to just be captivated by the, the trickling of the sand, we start to live with an urgency. We start to really physically live with an urgency because we see how much time we have left. We, we make things right. We talk openly about Jesus. We ask for forgiveness We tell others about love, especially Christ's love, when we start to see the urgency. And last week we were challenged by this phrase. And the phrase is, when I see spiritual urgency, then I understand spiritual priorities. And I think a lot of us need to hear that again this morning. Well, when we see spiritual urgency, then I'll understand spiritual priorities. And some of you got your priorities all screwed up. You've got all your priorities out of whack this morning. You come in here with just a host of priorities out of balance from God. And I'm asking you, I'm begging you to lean in and start to value your time left here on earth because it is a dash. It is less than 80 years, and it is so, so important to Christ for you to do some great things with the time that you have left. You see, why can't we begin uh, to live a life uh, uh, worthy of reproducing now and not in the last 30 days? Not until that moment of clarity comes that you have X amount of days left. Maybe you only get five days and somebody tells you that. Maybe someone tells you you have four months to live. You see, the psalmist understood this. 
and he wrote about it, and we need to understand it so we can gain wisdom in our heart. And it reads this, and this is sort of the, the theme verse for this next three weeks as we continue this, this passage, uh, or this, this, this series on 30 Days to Live. And in Psalms 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. It doesn't say a heart of what? Full of riches, of knowledge. It says a heart of wisdom. You see, the psalmist also writes about how shortly life is over and over again. He several times, he says in Psalms 102.3, it says, My days disappear like smoke. In Psalms 144.3, it says, for, for we are like breath of air. Our days are like passing shadows. In Job, it sounds like this. My days are running out quicker than a thread of fast-moving needles. My life is just like a breath. In Psalm 7, or excuse me, in Job 7, 6, and 7. So here's a question. Wouldn't you agree with me that life is, is, is unspeakably precious and unbelievably short? That's a question I want you all to think about. Is, is life is unspe- unspeakably precious and unbelievable short? Is that this morning, is that, is that where you're coming in here? Is that what you're listening to or is that where you're focused? Can you, can you hear me enough to be able to say, would you agree with that statement? Life is unspeakably precious. And it's unbelievably short. And we've seen on the news just this week, you know, if you follow anything that's been happening over in Richmond, just how precious life is. I mean, around the world, we see a lot of things, but here's one that hits close to home. Life is unspeakably precious and unbelievably short, isn't it? But if we start to live this way and we start to understand this concept of unspeakably precious and unbelievably short, would you not do some things differently? If you knew... 100% that this statement was true. Would you start to do things differently? Uh, the, The needle. The needle of our lives keeps moving faster and faster. The sand keeps moving, and eventually there's more on the other side, isn't there? See, the truth is we, we don't know when our time on this earth will be up, but the thread is quickly running out, isn't it? It could be next week or it could be next year. It could be decades away. Only God knows that. Our lives are in his hands. He is in control. Have you ever walked through a graveyard? I mean, have you ever walked through a cemetery reading the names and specifically looking at the dates on the gravestones? Has anybody else do that? I mean, I'm only freaking here today. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's those moments that, uh, that I, I do that, and, and, and some days there, there's some you know, solitude that comes from just walking through the graveyard. And, and, but you, you get in the graveyard, and, and I have many times, and I know it sounds crazy, that you see the, see the people's names, and they've lived over 100 years ago. You look at them, and you're just like, wow, uh, who fought in wars maybe? You know, you just don't know. Others who died young. For sure, you can see by the date how close it is. And typically when I do walk through a cemetery, I find myself looking at the oldest one. I try to hunt for the oldest one. I don't know if you do that. I don't know. It's weird. That's just me. But it's just those moments that you have life. You start to see, man, 1800. You start to see that date and you're like, wow. Or maybe it's in the 1900s. And you start to look at it and you start to, wow. 
There, there's a lot, there's a long life. And you see the ones that are like, you know, it's 18 something, and it's in 2000. Like they, they lived over 100 years. You're like, wow. I've seen one of those before. And it's just like, that, that, I want to live, I, that is amazing. I would love to live that long. Looking at all those tombstones, and, and maybe you have or have not, it never fails that I can't help but notice that when it was all said and done, that those lives were reduced to two dates and one little dash. And I look at that dash of a particular person's marker and wonder, what did they live for? How'd they live? Who'd they love? What were their passions? And what were their dreams? Did they get to see them complete? What was their biggest mistakes and their greatest regrets in life? That one that lived through the Civil War, and I sit there and look at it, you know, I'm sitting there going, what a confusing war. And that one that witnessed Pearl Harbor, and you sit there and just shake your head. I wonder how, how that, those events, those tragic events impacted not only their life, but their family's lives. You see, we see little notes on those tombstones. There's a good father, a dedicated husband, a deacon, a virtuous woman, a peacemaker, full of joy. But it, but it does not tell the whole story. It's just little snapshots, little captivating things that draw you in. That dash, though, that dash does tell you something. And I want us to look at that today because the Apostle Paul looked at his dash when he was in change and he kept on going even though he was in jail and he was surrounded and he knew death was coming. And when he was in jail, he was locked up and he knew he had less than 30 days to live and he was, his time was, his sand was running out. The thread of the needle was, was coming to an end. And if you, and you know, it's one of those moments when you go through those graveyards and you start to look at everybody else's thing. You start to look at those dashes and you start to realize, what does mine look like? And so this morning, everybody was given a, a card when you walked in. And whether you're a note taker or not, but what I would ask you to do is, is if you pull out on the backside and if you ain't got a pen or a pencil, that's fine. Just do this in your brain with us. But take that out real quickly, and what I want you to do is, is I want you to write on there your birthday, and for some of you, you might want to cover it up real quickly after you write it. But it's just that moment, I want you to write on it, and then I want to put you a dash, but then I want you to put 2,000 blank blank, because we really don't know the date nor the time. But I want you to do this, and then I just want you to stare at it for a moment. I want you to start to really investigate it. I want you just to, to understand that there's something important here. And if you haven't done it until now, by now, just start to realize there is a, there's a date in the beginning and then there's a dash and then there's a, then there's a number in behind. And as we start to look at these numbers, listen, everyone, every one of us have that, 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 that one on the left. Every single one of us can recognize the one on the left. And, and we mark that day, don't we? We celebrate that day. We eat cake. We, we typically blow out, balloon, or, you know, blow out uh, candles. We have balloons. Some of us don't want to talk about those, those candles because there's too many of them. Some of us like to embrace them when they turn 21. And we, we receive gifts on that, on that day on the left. And some of those gifts are just priceless and they're, they're amazing. And, and some of them are just so, you just want to go share them with the world. And all of us have those days on your left in this room. Especially if you're in this room. It's just that simple. I know it's amazing, but if you're in this room, you have one of those days on the left. It means you're alive. Maybe I need to turn that one back on for a second. It's just, you're alive and you're breathing and that's precious. 
this morning. It's simple. If you have a day, a date, a birthday, you're alive and well, and you have been given something, and it's called a dash. Now then, I want you to understand something. There's another date on the other side. And the other side is, is really important, and, 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 it's, and it's on the right side. And the right side, it, it, it's not filled out completely yet, and it might even be filled out today. We don't know. It could be filled out this week. But we really don't like to talk about that date, do we? We don't. If we're completely honest and transparent this morning, we truly do not like talking about this date. It's kind of one of those dates that it's, 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 it's impossible to avoid because it, it, it's coming. I had a conversation even this week with a, with a lady that, you know, we sit down and have a conversation and we talked about it. We talked about what it means when that time comes. We started planning some things. I talked to another person even last week about what it means because he didn't know. It's important because it is coming. That date on the right, it's coming. It's just, what are you going to do with it? How are you preparing? And just as we had no control over the first date, the one on the left, I mean, I didn't say, okay, Thursday, 9-15, March 3rd, 1977, looks like a great day to come out. That's just, that, 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 that just does not happen. You know, I just sort of showed up on that day and kicked real hard and came out. That's what my mom said, and I broke her tailbone on the way out. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And we also, for the most part, we have no real control over that second date. The day we'll die. The day that our physical bodies will leave this earth. The day that our life is over over. And it ceases to exist here on earth. You see, leaning here, just like those people whose tombstones stand outside small country churches or that city cemetery, or the National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., the only thing you and I have really control over is the dash. It's the dash. It's the thing in the middle. The dash is the years between our birth and our death. That one tiny line that, that we do have control over to make decisions that will affect us and affect others. And this is what a true heart of wisdom is. Living out your dash in Christ. And so my question to us all this morning, November 8, 2015, is this. How are you spending your dash? What are you doing with your dash right now? You only get one. Now understand this. You only get one dash. Nobody gets two. And listen in. The, this, this, this morning, this, this moment would be a real good time for you to deal with this question because life, it goes by really quickly as this sand has now escaped from the top. It goes by very fast. It's a good time to deal with this question because it, it's quick. It's like a vapor. It's like a breath. Or it's like a thread that's running out. It's quick, it's numbers, it's a story, and it's a life lived. Think about this. It's a better way to say it. Every number has a name, and every name has a story. And every story matters to Jesus 
So live your dash for his glory. Now, I know it rhymes, but think about it. Every number has a name, and every name has a story. And every story matters to Jesus. So live your dash for his glory. The question is, is you got some, you got some numbers you, you have a, a, a name, a birth name, and, and this right here is your story. And then it matters to Jesus what you do in this because he wants to experience, he wants you to experience his glory. He wants you to, to fulfill this, this relationship of trusting and obeying. Going out and sharing his grace, going out and sharing his mercy because he wants you to experience his glory. How God describes our dash and how he describes your life in his word through the, the brother of Jesus, James, looks like this. James 4, 14. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that happens or appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, even though we are a mist, we have to come to understand this. The psalmist knew that God was in control and that he had the numbers of the days ahead in control. And that is why he asked to teach him so he may gain a heart of wisdom to share with others. And as I try to read behind this request, we, we sort of request things from God. Let's be truthful, we do. Hey, this is a request from the psalmist here, and he's just asking, he's just asking for favor. He's asking for, hey, God, just show me. Just teach me. Teach me. And this is what I think it's really saying. Lord, remind me of how quick, how brief, how short, how, what a mist looks like life really is. Because I don't want to waste mine. I don't want to waste the time I have left. You see, we don't decide when we're born or when we'll die, but you get to decide how you're going to live your dash. And so this morning I have three questions for us. Three questions that I think we can start to just lean in and start to evaluate, you know, a little bit of 30 days to live. Question number one looks like this. Do you know how brief your life is? Do you know how, how brief your life is or are you, are you just living it out in your own selfish ways? Are you living, living it or are you wasting it? Are you living your life to the fullest potential or are you just wasting it away? Are you getting up and, and living each day, going out and sharing what God's given you? Are you, are, you, are, you? are you hoarding your life and holding on to everything? Are you giving away? Are you living a life worthy of reproducing? Are you leaving a legacy? I had a conversation uh, with, a, with, with some people this week, and, and it sort of just allowed me to drop to my knees, and, and, I, and I got to witness something so beautiful. I got to witness somebody that said, you know what, this, this is all not mine. Everything that I have is not mine, and it, it's his. And, and I just want to make sure that the church is able to, to grow and mature. And so I just want to let you know that everything here is, is one day going to be the church's. And I'm just sitting there just like mind-boggled by that. And it's just one of those moments of clarity that allows me to realize that's a legacy 
They're not wasting anything that they have. They're saying this is the church's, this is what God's going to do with it. And he's gonna, just going to bless it because I know it's his. It's not mine in the first place. I'm not going to sit on it like this. I'm going to say it's all his. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your, your life? How are you investing your dash? Are you spending your dash away? Wasting it? A lot of you drank too much. You spend a little bit too much time in the bars and some of you actually probably hung over this morning. A little bit. You can hide it with peppermints. That's okay. Coffee. But some of you are just spending way too much time wasting it away. Some of you are wasting it away with a click here and a click there. No one to know. It's too easy. But you spend more time on, on that little device than investing into your children. And some of us, we, 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 we invest a lot of our time into to stuff that are just so pathetic. It's self-absorbed. And at the end of the day, the only person that has glor- been glorified is, is you. You have not decided to mentor, love anybody except you. You see, the psalmist was begging. He was asking, teach me to number my days so I live a life worthy of reproducing. Teach me so I can gain knowledge, not here, but here, so I can pass it on, so I can go out and invest, so I can put the cell phone down, so I can put the bottle away and just live a lifestyle that's worthy of reproducing. Are you living the dash Are you truly living the dash out for his glory? Knowing fully who you are, who you are and why you are here? Or are you are you dashing to live? Hurried, spending precious time chasing things that will never really matter in the end. That unfortunately is the path of many of people here today. It's it's like this rope that we talked about earlier. A couple months ago. It's like we spend all this time focused on this right here, little orange part. And then we have this little blue part called retirement. And we spend all this time getting to this moment when we really should be focused on all this. Because this is sometimes in a knot. But the other times it just, it's amazing. It just keeps going and going and going because it's called eternity. But yet we're so focused On the orange part, not the white part. So I'm going to ask you again, are you living a dash worthy of reproducing? Is there such things as spiritual urgency or just self-centeredness? You see, the Apostle Paul, after his heart was taught, after he had a heart change, after he changed what he cared about, he he lived a life full of urgency. He was serious. He went after the world. I mean, he truly did. If you don't know the gospel, let me just quickly bring you up to speed. You had the 12 disciples who who said, you know, we'll do everything. We'll go tell the world. And eventually they stopped telling the world. They just focused on one city. 
And so God, this is my interpretation of it. You know, it's not in the Bible, but you just go with me. Lean in a little bit. This is the fun part. This is called reading between the lines. They're just Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit looking down on earth, and they're sitting there going, what is the matter with those boys? I mean, I told them, I gave them everything. I left them the Holy Spirit. I told them to go make disciples. I told them to go teach. I told them to go fast. I, told them, I mean, I told them how to do all this stuff, but they're not doing it. And then they just sort of look over here, and here's a guy named Saul. And Saul hated Christians. And he was just like, man, what if, what if we took Saul and said, hey, we're going to get your attention and we're going to do something really radical. We're going to change your heart. And then all of a sudden, you're going to go change the world. Well, guess what happens? That's what happened exactly. Jesus meets Saul. He's out there killing Christians left and right. And all of a sudden, he had a heart change. He said, you got to go to Straight Street. And he went to Straight Street. He could, the, the scales fell off. The, the, every, the wasted time, all the negativity, all the, the hatred was gone. And he started to live a life worthy of reproducing. And then he got with the disciples. And he's like, listen, you guys focus on the city. I got to get the world. You guys focus on these little churches. I'm going to go focus on the church, the world. And he did it. And he was so on fire for, for Christ. He could not... Or just just set on it. He had to go share it because he knew the importance of the end of the rope. And that's what happened. He wrote half the Bible. He literally did the half the New Testament. He literally spent a lot of time in chains, writing letters of encouragement, living out the story of how he was transformed. He went from city to city to city, telling people one thing and one thing only. Jesus loves you repent come on get on board and 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 this was was so confusing for these people they knew who Saul was they saw him as the one of the Roman emperors and guards and council people whatever and he was going around killing people enforcing the rules and then all of a sudden the next thing you know you see life change because they saw life change in him they saw his story. They saw his numbers. They saw his, his dash being played out. And they were curious. They started to lean in. And so eventually what happened was the Romans took notice. Even though the Romans said, hey, stop preaching. Stop doing this. Hey, Paul, you, you're, you're going to get killed. You're going to be imprisoned. And he said, I can't because this Jesus thing, it's impacted my life. I only have a short amount of time here on earth and I need to share it. I need to tell the world. And they warned him over and over again to stop preaching. And eventually he found himself in chains in jail. And eventually he found himself writing in the book of Philippians to people of Philippi. Because his time was now short. We don't know exactly how much time he had left when he was writing this letter. Maybe it was 30 days. Maybe it was a little longer. We don't know exactly. But we do know this. He was on death row. We know that he was on death row, but it's not over yet. There's still time in his dash. And so at the end of his time, he was still talking about Jesus, that what mattered the most. And in Philippians 1, verse 12 through 14, it clearly states this. It says, Now that I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, the sisters and brothers here in Philippi, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You see, whatever circumstance that you may have, you may, you may wake up tomorrow and you get the diagnosis that is just the, the, the one that you just do not want to hear. One month. One year. That doctor's voice that says, you got this. 
Or you might find yourself in jail. Or you might find yourself pregnant tomorrow. You might find out something that you just do not want to know. But whatever it is, listen. Whatever type of pain or angst this might be, whatever has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He is in jail. He is on death row because he broke the law sharing his faith. And as a result, verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Now this, this word palace guard, it's got my attention. It really does. And I just want to lean into this this morning just a little bit. The palace guard, it's like the elite. It's like the, it's like the, uh, the Navy SEALs. It's like the elite of elite of elite. There's only like 3,000 of these soldiers. These guys are the bad boys. I mean, you want something done, you send these guys in. And these guys were the guys who were guarding Paul because they knew that they had to keep him quiet. They knew that they had to, to, to literally silence his tongue. And so they put the elite... Not the, not the, you know, Barney Fife with one bullet. You know, it's not that guy. It's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, have you ever seen the movie Gladiator? It, it's, it's Maximus, Maximus. By the way, that's why we named him son. But that's, 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 that's the, you know, yeah, that's it. This, these are these guys. It's the elite palace guards. Now then, this is the coolest story in the world because this is so important. The people that surround you, the people that are closest to you, the palace guards, maybe, they're, maybe they are elite, maybe they're not. It doesn't really matter. But in this story, they are. And it's important to the story. Sometimes we glaze over this like a Krispy Kreme donut, but I'm telling you, right now, this is really important. Here's why. People longed to what? Reproduce the palace guards. They wanted to live like they were. They wanted to do what they did. They listened to these guys. And here we find in the middle of the story, whatever has happened, Paul finds himself being guarded by the palace guards. And not just guarded. You can go Google this if you don't believe me. Look it up. I challenge you. It's right there. I mean, it's, it look, it's look at any commentary. It's right there. It typically, it's an 18 inch, less than two foot of a chain. He is tied like this, handcuffed, and then handcuffed, and then handcuffed over to a palace guard. He is physically chained to a soldier. And they rotate it in. So if he's got to go to the bathroom, palace guard's sitting right there. He's going to the restroom with him. If he wants to write a letter, he's sitting there writing. And you don't tell me that the palace guard ain't looking in like, now that I want you to know my brothers and sisters. He's like, you got brothers and sisters? You know? This is what happened to me actually to serve, to advance the gospel. And as a result, as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. That's me. You're talking about me. And he's writing this down, and he's just like, he's leaning in. And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's like, yeah, you're in chains. Yeah, that's pretty good. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident. Confident is assured in the Lord. And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And this is what happens. When you find yourself in in an urgency situation, a spiritual priority takes place. You start to talk about things. You start to really write things out. You start to share the gospel in ways you never have. And this palace guard, he starts to listen. Who lives out a, a, a faithful life like this? 
One of the most amazing stories, and it's called the Bali 13. If you don't believe me, look it up. The Bali 13. And the Bali 13 were some, some people over in the Indian, India, uh, Indonesia Peninsula area. And these guys in Bali, basically they were criminals. And, and, and they got caught stealing and, and, and transporting drugs and, 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 and paintings and everything else. And, and what happened is amazing. They, they, they basically... Uh, were, were captured and, and arrested and tried. And, and the government, you know, of, of the Bali was trying to get them out, but the, the Indonesian government would not let it happen. And so eventually what had happened, and they, 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 they went to jail and they went to, to be executed. But during this time, they, 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 there was one guy who was faithful to Christ in the, in the jail cell with them, who changed the heart of all of them. He, they all started to become Christ followers. And this just happened a couple years ago. This is not like an old story. This is just a recent story. And it started to change the hearts of all of them. And the next thing you know is something beautiful takes place. There wasn't really this, this big grace where this come in and swept in and said they're all free because they all become Christians. No, this is not what happened. What happened was it started to change the culture of the jail. This is the worst jail there ever was. And, and because of these 13, that they're focused, they're laser focused on what Jesus was doing in their life. They started to, to write down paintings of, of just inspirational uh, movement of, of what God was changing them. And they, they started to tell a story uh, of worthy of reproducing. They started to live out the gospel. And they started to, to share that with all the, the guards and so eventually what took place is they take them out to an island. And as they're going faithfully, they didn't have to chain up the prisoners because the prisoners said, yeah, we take our punishment because we know where we're going. And as they're going out there, they're singing this song, Amazing Grace, how sweet their sound. They saved a wretch like me. They were walking to their death. And as they were walking, the guards, they started to watch and they started to pay attention. And these guards who were supposed to execute them couldn't execute them because they were so convicted. And eventually they brought replacement guards in there to execute them. And eventually they just replaced those guards. And eventually they had to execute them and they did. But their story has lived on now and has changed thousands of people in that jail cell and around the world. It's just like the story of Paul. His life has been changed simply because the power of Christ. And here he finds himself in chains. Sharing the gospel with every last breath he has. He took a risk. He took a risk to share it and it paid off. Because you and I probably are not in here this morning if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul sharing the story and rapidly multiplying the, the, the eastern peninsula, the African coast. Because all these palace guards, when the Roman uh, soldiers went out, they, they eventually went into different countries and they, they, they started to share the story of Paul. They started to share the story of what Christ did for Paul. And they, they started to lean in and the next thing you know, it's changing lives left and right because he lived his dash out faithfully. So it's wiser to risk your dash than to waste your dash. And a lot of us are wasting our dash, but here is a risk that we have to take. Are you willing, are you ready to risk it all to proclaim the gospel? Because my hunch is eventually, this is just a hunch, that one of these days we might not have the freedom that we think we have, especially to worship. 
It's already happening around the world, but it hasn't happened here in America yet. And and it's wiser to risk your dash for the gospel, for the advancement of the gospel, than to waste your dash. The question is, what are you going to do with it? The Apostle Paul also wrote in 8.28, he wrote this. He said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we have been called according to his purpose. And so I don't know what your purpose is this morning. And maybe you've heard a sermon that's like, you know, just another sermon. It's not a great sermon. I'd admit some days there are not. That's left up to the Holy Spirit. But what I do know is we've all been called to according to his purpose. His purpose is to allow you to experience his life to the fullest in the dash. But the question is, what are you doing with your dash? The apostle Paul lived it out to its fullest and eventually was executed. He was beheaded. Just like those prisoners in Bali, they they were executed. There are many people around the world today that are executed every single day because they are advancing the gospel with every last breath. The question is for us, are we willing to take that same type of risk where we work, play, and live? Are we willing to lean in and trust God to have a spiritual conversation in a break room? Are we willing to to talk to somebody else about what Jesus is doing in their heart? If I only had 30 days to live, am I willing to to step across the room and say, I just need to tell you something about, about Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Because at the end of the day, that's all I have. You see, the bottom line for us today is this, as we finish out. You have no idea the number of people that God may want to influence through your dash. You have no idea of the people that God may want to influence through your dash. But you've got to turn your dash over to Him. You see, we're all making a disciple. The question is, of what? We're all making a disciple, a follower. The question is, of what? Is it worthy of being reproducible? Or is it self-centered? Is it looking like this or looking like this? You see, last week we said God gave you today because you didn't need it. He gave you today because someone else needed it more. And we asked you to write somebody's name down on that piece of paper. And so have you asked that person this week? Have you begun with even you this week? Have you taken that spiritual selfie and said, you know, this is about me and my time to get it right for the very first time with God? What are you doing about it? Have you wasted seven days? Because last week we started 30 days to live. You only got 23 left. Are you wasting it? Are you investing it? Life's too short to waste our dash. How do we advance the gospel through our life is the question. When I see spiritual urgency, then I understand spiritual priorities. And so today, on behalf of Jesus, 
I pray for all of us to see the spiritual urgency that he poured out on the cross. I'm asking for our faith to be moved, faith that can move mountains, faith that can give us favor with others, faith that allows us to run this dash worthy in a way that's worthy of reproducing and leaving a legacy because God wants to use our dash to influence thousands, millions, and even billions. The question is, Are you going to do it? Are you going to take that dash, that card, and truly say, God, this is your time. It's your time. It's your life. And I just want to shine for you with the remaining time that I have. Are you going to sit back and just hoard it all, take care of your family, and call it a day? wants to use your life, the rest of the number of days that you have to influence those around you for his glory, his fame. He just wants to allow you to experience the joy of the dash with him. That's it. So I don't know where you're at today. Maybe this makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. I just pray that you allow God to move you in a way that causes significant moment to take place that you start to see that spiritual urgency I can say this as we close when I was 21 I had a a dream a dream of flying airplanes and I wanted to to go experience the world I wanted three things I wanted to be able to provide for my family I knew I was going to make six figures and I wanted to see the world and when I was 21 I, I sat on a tarmac working on an aircraft, and that moment of clarity comes with Jesus. When you have to sit there and and know without a shadow of a doubt that that's the Holy Spirit working, even in the midst of my field. And I was sitting there working on the plane, and the next thing you know, a hawk was flying around, and it dropped a feather, and it landed right there in front of me. It literally landed about five, ten feet away. I went over and picked it up, and that hawk was screeching. And my favorite Bible verse is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles and they will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. And as I began to recall that and I just sit there look at the feather and look at it. It wasn't an eagle, but it was a hawk. And I think it was God trying to get my attention. Do you want to go down this career and fly high with yourself? Or do you want to go down this career with me advancing the gospel, mounting up on wings that you could never possibly reproduce? And it's going to be a life worthy of reproducing. You might not have all the fame and fortune that's over here. Trust me, I know that feeling. But I have never experienced the amount of joy that comes from watching my friends accept Jesus Christ. Watching life happen here. Watching people say, you know what? I'm all in. Watching people change what they care about. Watching them say, this is not my money, it's yours. Watching them say, I I just want to live a life that is worthy. Because I believe. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so today, I don't know where you're at. 
I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where you're at in your dash. And I don't know where, where, you're, where you're contemplating what's your next move in your job and where you're at. I don't know. But I do know this. Just trust him. Hope in the Lord and move in towards him. And it will be a life worthy of reproducing as you advance the gospel. And if you come along the way and you find yourself in chains, man, just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment that comes from teaching others, even the cops, even the palace guards, even the elite, teaching them of the joy that comes from putting your hope in the one who produces life. So Jesus, this morning, as we just say thank you, as we just lean in and ask for favor, as we just trust you with our lives, we just say, God, Move us in a way that allows us to experience the dash. Move us in a way that allows us to trust you with urgency so we can see the spiritual priorities, so we can understand that our life, the number of days that's left here on earth is actually not for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of others around us is to influence, to leave a life It's to leave a legacy. It's to advance the gospel. God, may we just experience you right now as we just sing a song. Sing a song of faith. May you give us the faith, give us the love, the favor to live this life out in a way causes that causes movement towards you Jesus that's my prayer in your name Amen